0: Are All women allowed to teach? Are All women allowed to teach? Well, let's turn, if you will, to First Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 15. First Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 through 15, and it reads, I will therefore that men everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which become it, women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, first, Paul addresses the men concerning public prayers. He wanted them to pray lifting up holy hands. Lifting up holy hands was a custom practice in the early church. They would pray standing with hands outstretched and the palms upwards. It is believed that depicted the attitude of Jesus upon the cross. It revealed the dedication in the lives of those praying. Holy hands means dedicated to God's service. Hands which did not touch the forbidden things. Secondly, he instructs them to pray without wrath. In other words, without anger in the heart. Then he tells them to pray without doubting. We must take all of our prayers to God in complete confidence that he hears and answer prayers. Then he says in like manner. In other words, he wanted the women to pray in public in the same manner, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. They were to do this with the proper attire on. The loose, ungodly women of Ephesus dressed elaborately with the braiding of the hair. Paul didn't want the Christian women at Ephesus to be identified as loose women. He wanted them to dress differently according to their profession of holiness. Now, is there a set standard on how Christian women should dress and wear their hair today? The answer is no. The standards of dressing given here by Paul to the Ephesians Christian women was necessary for them according to the culture they lived in at that time. These standards were by no means permanent for all. We must understand that some passages of scriptures ought to be kept in its historical context. There are no set Dressing standards for Christian women for all ages right now the culture in America differs from the culture in China Japan France Germany Italy uh, Africa Australia and so on in America our culture says that that men wear pants and women wear women pants skirts and dresses in France their culture allows men to wear pants and skirts. During the days of Moses, the men and the women wore, uh, wore robes. The men wore robes that was made for men and the women wore robes that were made for women. Are we to dress like they did in Moses' day? Absolutely not. Therefore, dress standards of a particular time in history cannot be set as permanent for the rest of the church. Now, since there are no set standards of dressing for all ages, uh, what is our guideline? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5 is the guideline scripture concerning dressing for all Christian men and women to live by in any culture, in any age. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5 reads, The woman shall not wear that which pertaining unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. In other words, men are to only wear clothing that are made for men, and women are to only wear clothing that are made for women within the culture lived in. And among the clothing made for us to wear, we must select the ones that best fit our profession of holiness. Now, who determines what is or not appropriate for us to wear? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who determines that. He will let us know what is or not appropriate for us to put on as Christians professing holiness. Then he deals with yet another issue that needed to be dealt with in the Ephesians church. He says, what? Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Now notice that Paul says, let the woman which is singular in verses one and two, Paul wanted everyone, which is plural to pray in verse eight. He addresses the men, which is plural in verses nine and 10. He addresses the women, which is plural in verse 15 B. We see him again addressing women, which is plural, but in verses 11 through 15 a, he addresses a particular woman. Verses 11 through 15a says this, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the was in the transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing. Now, Paul was singling out one particular deceived female teacher that was in the church at Ephesus who was spreading the doctrine of the Gnostics. She was spreading one of the Gnostic fables uh, concerning Eve. This fable says that Eve was created before Adam. And that she actually liberated the world by listening to the serpent. Paul silenced this woman, not because she was a woman, but because she was teaching false doctrine to others. He forbade her to teach a heresy, which was creating serious problems for the church. She was not the only one who had to be stopped. There were also deceived men who deceived others that had to be stopped also. So it was not a matter of gender, but of deception. Let me say it again. It was not a matter of gender, but of deception, as we shall see as we go through this epistle and even in Second Timothy and in Titus. If you go on to study those books, it is interesting to note that Paul gave several men who were annoyingly spreading false doctrine over to Satan, but he handed this particular woman over to a teacher. He instructs Timothy on how this woman should learn or be taught. He says in quietness and full submission. Now, this qualification on how she on how she should learn was not a rebuke. He was not saying that she should just sit down and shut up. The noun used in verses 11 and 12 is related to the word used in verse 2 of this same chapter, where Paul said that the goal of all believers was to live peaceful and quiet lives. Quietness implies compliance with the law rather than resistance and harmony with one's neighbors rather than hostility, peace rather than argumentation. Paul wasn't requiring anything different of this woman than what he required of every church member in Ephesus throughout this passage. It was the same quality the men should have when they prayed without anger or disputing and the women should have behaving with decency and propriety. In fact, the the phrase silence and submission was a frequent formula in the near East for a model student before throughout and after Paul's time, the rabbis, were agreed that silence was an admirable attribute for the pious scholar. Every pupil must have a teachable attitude. A man and a woman cannot learn if he or she does not listen and yield to the instructor. This is the same attitude James described when he said everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. This attitude makes for the very best of students. Paul's desire for this particular woman whom he commanded to learn in quietness and submission in verse 11 was that she would become nothing less than that, the very best student. Silence was considered a positive attribute for rabbinic students. Paul wanted this particular woman to abstain from teaching and to dedicate herself to study alone. Now, there are many preachers and teachers, both male and female, that needs to refrain themselves from teaching and preaching and dedicate themselves to the study of God's word alone. Hallelujah. Then Paul corrects the false teaching of this woman. He corrects the false teaching fable concerning Eve by saying, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Then he says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Paul is saying, yes, a woman named Eve was instrumental in kicking off the downfall of humanity. But it was also a woman named Mary that was instrumental in kicking off the redemptive plan of God. She brought forth Jesus, the savior of the world, our redeemer. Mary's childbearing brought about salvation, reversing what had been done. And because of this, women can be saved by faith and can grow in love and holiness with sobriety. And because of his debt, his, his birth, debt, barrier, and resurrection, that both men and women can be saved by faith. The answer is yes. Yes, women can. And are allowed by God to teach his word. You're not convinced yet? Well, let's look at, the. Uh, let's turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 18, and let's look at verses 24 through 28. The book of Acts, chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. And it reads, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, and eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him They took him, they took him, they, 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 underline the word they, took him unto them, and did what? And expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace." For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now, here we clearly see a woman by the name of Priscilla, along with her husband. Teaching a great man of God named Apollos, something that he didn't know. She taught along with her husband, but she taught a great man of God named Apollos. Something that he didn't know. My point is is that she taught him. If it was wrong for a woman to teach a man, then only her husband Aquila would have took him aside. But they took him aside and taught him what he didn't know. They taught him the part that was lacking in his life. Hallelujah. So it is the will of God for both men and women to teach. His awesome word. Reclaring the truth.